Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with author and life coach, Adam Jablin. Thanks for joining me on the show, Adam. Happy to be here, bro. Hey, so man, we've got a lot to talk about, and I want to hear about your book. Uh, I want to hear exactly about how you help people through your coaching. But first, can you share a little bit about what things were like before you got sober, and, and how did you find recovery? Absolutely. Um, so I was a work hard, play hard kind of guy. Yeah. And, you know, it's very typical of, of what you hear. Garden variety, alcoholic and addict, you know, Friday, Saturday turned into Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, mm. Saturday, Sunday turned into Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday. Right. Um, and the disease took hold. And I needed something in me at all times, at all times. So a day of mine would look like I was very into fitness and how I looked. So I would wake up at, let's say, five o'clock in the morning. I would take ephedrine, which is now off the market, um, yeah. with coffee and aspirin. After my hour of cardio from sweating the booze out the night before, my heart would be pounding. So I would take a couple of Xanax, go to work. Um, then during work, probably pop a few Oxycontin or Darvacet or Percocet. Man, okay. Um, then every lunch hour, um, cause I had, a, this is towards the end cause I had a baby at home towards my lunch hour, I would go to the gym and I would take a pre-workout cause I'm now I'm already like a little, mm-hmm. so I think a, a real, like back in the day it was, uh, who cares, who cares, but I would take an, a, a nice stimulant, no explode, Jack 3D, whatever. And uh, two scoops, two scoops. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I would mix that with another um, Darvacet or Oxycontin so I don't feel my injuries. Wow. Um, And then after that, my heart would be pounding and I got to power and get back to work. Okay. So I would take a couple of Xanax after that. Um, And again, you know, you start your head so foggy that you start losing count. Mm. Uh, Then so I'm sipping caffeine throughout the day because my head's going like this up and down and up and down. Yeah. Then right around it's time to go home. I would pick up uh, some tequila, a vodka or a six pack of beer, swig down a couple so I could have some like calmness when I got home, try to be a good father and a good husband, wait for my wife to go to sleep and the baby to be fed. And then once I knew I had some privacy, drink because drinking was okay. always my favorite yeah drinking was oh and um 
get intoxicated. The anxiety started getting to the point that I need Ambien to sleep. I'm sure it was because I was messing with everything. Mm-hmm. So I would take the Ambien, sometimes one, sometimes two. And I'm sure there were some nights that I, you know, you start becoming careless, possibly up to three. And then when that morning alarm clock started again at five in the morning, start all over, sweat the booze out, try wow. to sweat the toxins out. And it, it was this kind of cycle. Meanwhile, I'm running a multi-million dollar lace company. I have a young baby at home. I have a wife and um, my grandmother had just passed away. My best friend had married my sister. I had no coping mechanisms. I didn't know all the stuff that you learn in recovery. I, I, I didn't, I never had to deal with life you know, real life. And of course, you know, no true spiritual connection. And um, it stopped working. Hmm. Now, when I say it stopped working, what I mean is, obviously, when I drank, or I took something, you, you could see the effect in my physical body. You know, you could see the effect in my eyes. I'm, I'm not saying it stopped working like I was immune to it. Right. It stopped yeah. doing for here what it needed to do. I could get wasted and I would still hear those thoughts, Jonathan, like, you're a loser. Other people aren't acting like this. You're never going to be as successful as your dad. How are you going to take over a company when you behave like this? Right, right. Yeah. Now, now, before I could have a couple of drinks, that would leave and Superman would come out. Hmm. You know, yo, hey, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Nice to be with you. Yeah. I couldn't get the old Adam back, no matter how... and you understand this more than anybody. I'm sure our listeners do too. The only way I thought that you can get the old Adam back was I must, I must not be doing enough. Right. Yeah. I need more. I must need more of right. that. Yeah. You built the um, tolerance. Built the tolerance. So when I went to treat, I was intervened. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the letters, you know, the, the seriousness, the seriousness of it, the compliments, but one of my last questions at my intervention was, does this mean I can't drink anymore? Like, I didn't really get what was going on. Right. And I thought, like every other, I didn't realize how typical all of our thoughts are and how the same all of us are. But I thought, if everybody would just get off my back, right? you know, the company, the, like, if everyone would just chill out, I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. I'd be fine. And uh, so I went into uh, treatment thinking that I'm going to be the most dedicated, disciplined patient that they've ever seen there. And within a few days, they're going to be like, this guy's a machine. It's got to be his family. You know, this guy's a monster. Um, And I went in with that thought process. Okay. Yeah. Um, And the reason I'm telling you that is because, you know, this is the guy you're talking to was like, I, I had mastered denial. I had, I mean, I just didn't, I didn't understand what was happening to me. I didn't know what recovery was. I I didn't know any of this. Yeah. That's what it was like. It was a big, blurry, messy haze. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That, that paints a, a pretty good picture. And that does sound like a really, gosh, man, I'm just thinking, up at 5 30 hitting the gym uppers downers all arounders uh you know i mean that's a that's a crazy cycle and i always like to preface this 
you know, when, when we kind of dive a little deeper into the story with, you know, on the show, we do like to focus more on, you know, the solution and the problem, yes. so to speak. But I mean, I do want to ask, I mean, you, you jumped right into like w- what the, uh, the height of all of this look like. Right. And, um, h- how did this progress over time though? Cause you didn't just end up there. Right. So no. h- how long and, and, and what did that progression look like to, the point where you were, you know, going through the cycle where there was, you know, pills throughout the day and drinking at night. And yeah, I can summarize that really fast because the sure. solution is what I love to focus on too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I are never going to get to be close and the audience is never going to understand who I am if I don't let them know, you know, what happened. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. Here, look, in, in high school, um, I loved drinking and I loved partying. I was the first yeah. one in my high school with a fake driver's license. It <laughs> that also makes you somewhat of the center of attention a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. That can get the booze. Yep. Um, went to Arizona State University. Why? Because back in the day. Big party in, school. It was the number one party school. Yeah. Number yeah. one. Playboy penthouse. Mm-hmm. Went there. I mean, went to go see it and it was nuts. It was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I went there and dominated there and uh, found like-minded people. And it was, I mean, look, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Nobody could ever tell me something was wrong with alcohol. No, it was, it was the greatest. Nobody could, and, you know, experimented there, experimented with all sorts of drugs. Um, hallucinogenics, ecstasy, you know, you name it, cocaine, just experimented, never really thought of myself as, as out of control or doing anything wrong. Never thought of myself as doing anything wrong. That I can tell. Yeah. Didn't get a DUI, thought I shouldn't drink and drive, Mm -hmm. you know, like spent two nights in jail, got my lesson, you know, that was a stupid move. Shouldn't drink and drive. 30 days later, I'm drinking and driving. Um, and then when I met my wife, whom I fell in love with, she hated my drinking, hated it. That's when I found Xanax. Okay. Um, being that I was a businessman and we traveled, you know, it's a different society now. We would be, when you have to fly overseas, people would give you an Ambien, like, you don't even know the person, like, oh, are you a little nervous? Do you want a Xanax? It was not taboo. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't weird. So mm-hmm. I found Ambien. And I had, I, I tore my ACL and my MCL playing basketball and, you know, found painkillers. Everything was like a natural progression. Everything was, in, and I really did think that if I exercised and ate right, what's the big deal? Yeah. What's the big deal? First off, if I even have a better body than you and I'm making more money than you, like I was such a dick. Yeah. If I'm how, a, how can you tell me that I'm doing right. something wrong? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if <laughs> yeah, you're going to look it. at this, if you're going to look at this, what I do, yeah. you better be ready to take it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I drink too much. When was the last time you saw a trend? You know, just that, <laughs> yeah. that, like, you know, you don't talk about this and I obviously don't talk about what's going on with you. Mm. I didn't realize that people were trying to like help me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let, let's circle back around. So, I mean, you're, you're, and I think that again, you said it, that paints a pretty good picture of, of what things looked like. And same with me started in, in high school, just kind of went from there, progressed over time, experimented with different stuff. Um, yeah. And, and stuck with it. And, and I guess you could say, did it 
pretty well until yeah like you it just didn't work anymore right it didn't didn't uh didn't quiet those all those thoughts that were spinning around in my head so you're in treatment you're going to be the best yes. rehabber ever <laughs> that's it you get in there and then and then so what happens it all backfired okay i i had agreed to go mm -hmm. For a 10 day evaluation. That's how okay. I, that's how they okay. got me. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I can't do 28 days. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like who's going to be Adam Javelin? You know what I mean? Like, like that kind of guy, but I'll, for 10 days, you know, we could say I, I'm taking time with the baby or, uh, we, I'm in New Hampshire, our company up there, 10 days I can do, but 28 days, where's everyone going to think Adam went? And that's the kind of guy you're talking, you were talking to. Mm -hmm. I'm already worried about what other people are thinking about me in my intervention wow. with all these people that love me saying you need help. So I go there with that mindset, by the way, day two, they start taking your blood. Mm -hmm. Day two, I find out that uh, me, Mr. There's nothing wrong with me. I had the highest toxicity rate that the Hanley center's ever seen to this day. Wow. Right. Wow. To this day. Cause I was, you know, it's not like just heroin or just boot. I was constantly on yeah, that. They, so they, they were, the chemicals were fighting with each other. The toxins were fighting with each other, getting wow. locked in cells. I didn't know. Um, I remember the first time I had to say in group, like the next morning, um, that I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Right? Hi, I'm Adam. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And I saw that because everyone else was saying it in the first, you know, five o'clock in the morning, five thirty in the morning meditation. And Jonathan, it was like a big gorilla jumped off my shoulders. Oh. It made sense. Like I, I can breathe. Like, like, did you ever see the movie The Sixth Sense? You yeah. Ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. Remember at the end when he finds out he's dead mm. and everything made sense? Right. Yeah. It all clicked. That's yeah. how I, I was like, oh wait a second. That's why I have all the pills. That's why I hide all the booze. That's why I got a DUI. That's why all the fights with my wife. That it was like the first time that my life had made sense. Just saying those words, and within seconds. After that relief, I felt like, oh, now what? Like, you know, how do I watch the ball game with my dad? How do I go out with my friend? Within seconds, that... Yeah. Yeah. How do I do this for the rest of my life? Yeah. yeah. How do I do this? Um, I saw my counselor that day for the first day. And the, the reason I'm giving you all these stories is so you can understand how the denial started to crack and the solution is going to start coming. Um, I see my counselor... He asks me point blank. He goes, do you think that you're powerless over alcohol? And I looked at him. I'm like, no. He goes, well, Adam, let me ask you a question. Have you ever woken up in the morning and sworn to yourself that you wouldn't drink at that evening, but you ended up drinking anyway? I looked at him I'm like every day, every day. He goes, okay, take it easy. This is what I heard a lot in rehab, by the way, bro. Take it easy. I heard that a lot. I was just nervous and anxious and hyped up. And then he goes, okay, did you ever say to yourself, okay, tonight I'll only have two. I'll only have two tonight. And then once you started, you couldn't control it. I was like, every time, every time. So he goes, okay, so if you swear to yourself in the morning, that you're not gonna drink that night and you end up drinking. And then when you make the deal with yourself that you'll only have two or three, but then you can't control the amount, wouldn't you say you were powerless? 
and I had to like evaluate, like he had me in a corner. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And he goes, would you say your life was unmanageable? So John, I took stock of my life. I literally like folded my, you know, fold my legs, started thinking, rubbing my beard. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he goes, Adam, and he bangs on the table. You're in rehab. And I was like, wow. yeah, I guess I have to say my life's unmanageable. And whatever that is, Jonathan, things start to crack. Every group therapy, every outside 12-step meeting, every bonding session, something was happening to me. I had to say my story for the first time in front of these 35 alcoholic addict freaks. Wow. And every single person at the end, they applaud, they give me hugs, and they're identifying with me. You were the fat kid. I was the fat kid. I was the skinny kid. I did this in the, I did this at college. I, like, every, and I was like, oh my God, this isn't good. I also had to ha write two letters to my daughter, um, one 20 years in the future after drinking and drugging, and one 20 years after being sober. Wow. That was hard. Oh, yes. and mind you, mind you, this was great. That meeting with the counselor, I forgot to tell you this. This is when he assigned me that. I looked at him after that whole powerless unmanageability thing, and I said, does this mean I can't have a glass of champagne at my daughter's wedding? Sincere as can be. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me. He's like, how old's your daughter? And she's six months old. And he was Adam. <laughs> Only an alcoholic would worry. <laughs> right. <laughs> if he could yeah and, that, and so jonathan things were happening mm -hmm. and um can i talk more about the solution real fast yeah please i meet this guy father ron monsignor ron he asks me point blank like do you believe in god and i gave him like that alcoholic mumbo i'm like yeah i believe in god and you know law of attraction and that mm -hmm. thing of karma and woo and he's like okay okay calm down and he goes put your arm out. So I put my arm out like this, right? And he goes, he puts his fingertips on me. He goes, do you see what I left there? So Jonathan, I look at my arm. I look at the father. I look at my arm and go, father, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. He does it again. He goes, do you see what I did that time? So I use humor when I'm uncomfortable. So I'm like, you know, father, I'm Jewish. You know, maybe there's a disconnect here. <laughs> he starts kicking. Yeah. He does it again. He goes, what about there? And I look at him, I'm like, Father, I heard about you guys. And he's at his desk, he turns the lights off and he takes a UV light out, right? And he points the UV light on the fingertips and all of his fingerprints are glowing. All these purple things, they're just glowing. And I'm staring at them. And he's like, Adam, do you think that you could believe in a power all around you that you can't see, you can't taste, you can't touch? You can't hear, but has been all around you, guiding you, protecting you, keeping you safe. And I'm sitting there staring at these glowing fingerprints and I'm like, Father, I can believe. And he turns the lights back on and they're gone. And I'm like, do it again, do it again, do it. And he does it again, you know, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And this father, right, took a Jew from Jersey and downloaded him into the matrix. I mean, it was like, I, I started to believe said that story that I told you about, all these guys are starting to identify with me. Yeah. This is day nine. I run to the nurse's station. I couldn't breathe. I was hyperventilating. I was freaking out. 
I didn't know what was going on. I'm telling the nurses, they're like, what's wrong, Adam? What is wrong? And I said to them, point blank, I think this is real. I think all of this is real. Everything you guys have been teaching me, I think all this is real. And I think I have to stay. And they looked at me like, what's so bad about that? I'm like, oh, what am I gonna tell my wife? What am I gonna tell my family? What am I gonna, and they just smiled. They just smiled. I'm like, just, oh, by the way, and they gave me a paper bag to breathe in. I had never been so insulted in my life. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, that's pretty give good. me a pill or something, you know? Yeah, like, right. Um, they're like, just call, just call your, call your wife. It's five o'clock in the morning at this point. I call, I run to the phone and I call my wife. She picks up nervous. She doesn't know what's going on in rehab. You know, she's mm-hmm. thinking stuff from movies. She thinks maybe I got stabbed. I mean, she doesn't know. And I'm like, are you sitting down? And she's like, what's wrong? She's like, sitting down, like, you woke me up. It's five in the morning. You woke the baby up. What's going on? I said, I have some, I have some bad news to tell you. And she's like, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And I, I have to stay here. Silence. All of a sudden I heard, ha, 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 ha. I was never going to come pick you up. I was never going to come pick you up. It just needs Adam. Adam can't do this. And Adam can't do that. And Adam has to go to the gym. And Adam has to drink. And Adam needs his pills. And Adam, Adam, And what happened to me, and I didn't know there was a, a term for it, it's called the parallel process, Jonathan. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. Okay. I literally saw two of me. I saw two of me. I saw my decisions as clear as day. And I could get back on the phone and be like, are you allowed to curse on this? Yeah, go for it. I, I, I get back on the phone. I go, listen, bitch, get your ass in the car, pick me up, get the divorce papers ready. I'm sick of it. You know what I mean? Just that yeah. arrogant, I'm right, you're wrong, mm. angry, argumentative alcoholic. This other one, this other guy, I didn't know if he had to be religious. I didn't know if he had to be bar mitzvah. I didn't know if he had to be baptized. I didn't know if he had to be poor, but I knew he was sober. And I jumped into that guy with both feet and I never looked back. And this treatment center that I thought was like literally jail mm-hmm. turned into spiritual camp. Man. They told, they told me where to go and what to do. And I went and I attacked the recovery program like I attacked the gym. I attacked it. Like my life depended on it because it did. That's awesome. And it was just, you know, very spiritual, metaphysical, holy things just started to happen. That's awesome. Man, see, this is why I love doing these interviews. I mean, because, you know, I can always relate to someone else's story somehow, you know, look for the similarities, right? But man, what you just described is, is so much like my story, you know, former fat kid just went to rehab because I was just going to detox there, uh, sat in a meeting of other guys, heard their stories, ended up crying like a baby, called my parents. I need to stay here. Uh, you know, actually like the guy that ended up being my sponsor, um, it sounds like we both did the same thing you know, really took advantage of what was going on in treatment and what, what was being offered to us. He told me to do my mental laundry while I was there. And I, and I, I had some letters to write and some other things to do. So that's, that's incredible. And man, like I made that decision too, to like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to attack this. Like nothing 
nothing that I had personally in a long time. I definitely wasn't in the gym at the time. Uh, so, so, uh, now you get out of treatment and, and do you get involved in, in a 12 step, uh, program or, or what do you do? What does your recovery look like when you get out? Yeah. Um, so where I go, you know, we have a tradition that we don't talk about. It's kind of like fight club, you sure. know, and a fight club is we don't talk about fight club, but yeah, it's 12 step base. And I, I go still a minimum of five times a week. Then it was, you know, every single day still and now with Zoom, I'm doing it still every, I'm back to every day. Yeah. Um, and I met a mentor, sponsor, and um, I took this thing seriously. Yeah. Took, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that was running a multi-million dollar company and I'm picking up people from the local halfway house and bringing them to meetings and I'm making coffee and I was humble mm. and I was hungry. I was hungry for what they had. Yeah. And I saw certain men that had this, Jonathan, I'm sure you have the same thing. They had this faith and this belly laugh and this they could talk about their wives and it's some of the most serious things you've ever heard but they were at peace mm. they were at peace and it was yeah. so attractive um and i'm still like that man you know i i remember looking at that at the certain tables and being like all i want to do is be at that table with those guys sitting with these guys that's all I, if I could get there, if I could, if I could stay sober long enough to be with these guys, I made it. I've been with those guys for a long time now and I still feel that way. That's awesome. I still feel that way. Man, yeah. That's awesome. So I want to ask, because I, I try to ask all my guests this question because I really think it, it's something that can be beneficial to, to anyone, no matter where they are in recovery. What would you say the biggest thing is that you struggled with early on in sobriety? Honesty. Okay. Honesty. I still had a lot of people pleasing in me. Okay. Yeah. So it was very easy for me to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I took out the garbage and then run and take out the garbage. Uh, always honest yeah. with my sponsor, with okay. my mentor, but, and always honest with the people in recovery. Mm. That was kind of like my safe place. That was like, I could just be myself. But everywhere else, I still felt this unnecessary pressure to be perfect. Yeah. So that. it took a while to stop lying is the only word I could think of. You know, white lies, fibs, but like, you know, did you take the garbage out? That should just be a really like, no, I didn't get to it yet. But I felt this, this pressure of like, everything was a test. You know, everything, I, that's how I felt. Everything was a test. Yeah. Any one time anybody asked me, did you blank? Mm -hmm. That is a test. And I have to somehow make you believe that I did it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it took me, I would say honesty was the one that really, it took me a little while to get comfortable in my own skin to be able to look at somebody and be like, no, I don't agree with that. Okay. Or no, I didn't take the garbage out. Yeah. Right. Or, hey, you want to, like, because I, I felt like I was less than, for now, I was the guy in rehab. Right. You know, right. and I'm coming out. So, in, so I'm going to talk about us, our family. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I'm outside in the world, everything was, I need to, I still need to prove myself. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I get that. And I can, I'm thinking of some really stupid white lies that I told early in sobriety for, like, no reason. And I, I mean, luckily, I caught myself and I was just like, that didn't even make sense. Like why, yeah. why did I even lie about that insignificant 
thing. So now you, you just said, uh, uh, you know, and you mentioned it a couple of times, you know, you're, you're a fairly successful guy. You built, um, you know, some multi-million dollar businesses and, um, after, after someone gets sober, after they've gotten sober, okay. And they're, and they're in recovery. What do you think is one of the main things that holds people back from becoming their most successful self? And, and when I say this, let me preface this with not, not just financially, but just, you know, successful kind of all around in life. Like, what do you think it is that holds us back after we've, we've put down the, the drinking and drugging? Sure. I think it's, I can, can I give you three answers? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I think it's a combination of this. Mm -hmm. One is people start taking themselves really seriously okay. and, and taking their programs less serious. Mm. And that is a back, that is a trap. The idea is you still attack whatever it is that got you sober. For me, my recovery pro that I'm dead serious about to this day. But I'm not so serious about myself. I take it, you know, take it as it comes. If I get a no in business, it's a no. I yeah. keep going, keep attacking, keep moving forward. I don't take myself so seriously. That's one. Two is, I don't know how, this is an observation, not a judgment. Please, like, let me say that firsthand. Sure. This is an observation, not me judging people. I don't necessarily see people really, really deepening their faith. I think sometimes they find a God of the rooms, a God of their understanding, and it doesn't grow. Mm. You know, it, it, it doesn't grow. That I find unhealthy. I think, you know, you know, sometimes recovery can be a spiritual kindergarten. You have to keep deepening that faith. Um, and everything is a tool, you know, everything is a roadmap to get to the to the place, but you should, you should, we should look where people are right and not try to block ourselves off from things that can actually really help us as we grow. I mean, listen, you, you know this, look at us. You, you can't just keep benching 135 and thinking you're going to get stronger. Mm -hmm. So you can't just keep doing the same thing. You're one, you're two, you're three, you're four, you're five, you're six, you're, you know, you have to enhance this thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's a living, breathing thing. So taking yourself too seriously, not taking your program too seriously, to not really deepening your faith in any way that that means being religion, meditate, whatever. I don't care, but deepening sure. it. The third one is really not understanding that, yes, God will do for you what you can't do for yourself. Mm -hmm. there's a flip side of that coin that no one likes because they're lazy. God won't do for you what you can do for yourself. You mix those three things up, Jonathan, in a nice little ball. Mm -hmm. That's why people don't move forward. Wow. They're taking themselves way too seriously. They're not strengthening their faith and they think God will do everything for them anyway. Yeah, man. That's a bag of tricks. Good luck. Yeah, no, those are, that's, those are three really great points. I mean, the, the first one, the taking, taking ourselves too seriously, I think part of what, what I equate that to, like the way you described it, it's like, you know, the saying, the, whatever you put first before your recovery is going to be the first thing you lose, I think is the saying, you know, and, um, and, and yeah, kind of letting other things take priority. That makes perfect sense to me. The, 
number two, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll think of it in like, you know, you said benching 135. So fitness terms, like no progression in your spirituality, right? And, and you're not, you know, do, doing a little bit more or, or growing in that. And I guess, you know, from like a 12 set, step perspective or like in the big book, it talks about um, God could and what if you were sought, right? And you have to do the seeking part of it, I think is, is important for sure. So I, man, that, that's, those are three awesome, awesome points for sure. So let's hop into the book here. Okay. Your sure. book is titled lots of Holic. I think I can guess, uh, man, that's really clever. I wish I had thought of that, but what is the, what is the meaning behind lots of Holic behind the title? I, I need you to just know real fast, bro. I can't even take the credit for that name. I was okay. giving I was okay. given at the family program. Uh, so the book is a memoir of basically everything that we just spoke about in oh, wow. great detail. Okay. Um, up to 10 years sober. And so it's, it's the, the, my first book is about my recovery. It's about, mm -hmm. you know, from a sick to sober Superman. You know, okay. that, that's the subtitle. And I'm a Superman freak. So that's where that came from. It wasn't like me with grandiosity. It was like, mm -hmm. I love Superman. So there's a, there's a theme of Superman throughout the book. Got it. That makes sense when you read it or listen to it. But I, when I was in at the family program in treatment, and this is after my spiritual experience, you know, a lot of the family members, I looked good again. I was alive. I was, and a lot of the family members saw me eating healthy and they're like, why are you here? You know, and my friend said, he's the worst of all of them. <laughs> You know, and I right. looked at it, and I, you know, and I'm like, yeah. what does that mean? He goes, I'm like, what is that? He goes, Adam's a lots of hall. Everything he does, he does a lot. He's been five minutes early to every, every meeting. He meditates, he, he, everything he, if he talks about his wife, he doesn't shut up about his wife. He, he just, anything he does, he does a lot. He just doesn't stop. And, um, which you probably have in spades too. You know, bit. year seven, year seven already started sober nation. Already have a you, you see the results of that. Yeah. So I mean, look, it's a it's a cute name to to kind of diagnose guys that are like you and I that that extreme personality. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it was in our disease, but it's also in our personality. Like I I thought everyone was like us, Jonathan. I thought I was going to come into the rooms and everybody was like it. It was a it was. I mean, mind-blowing to me when I saw lazy people or when I saw boring people. I thought everyone was like us. Like, it's just this, let's go, party. Yeah, yeah. I, when people were like, just didn't want to do anything, I was like, I don't even under, but we, we share the same disease. Yeah, they could just do nothing. They could just get high and get drunk and do nothing. I didn't have that. You know, I was like, let's get high and get drunk and you want to parachute or, you know, work out or, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was, uh, so I, that was, that's the title. Lots of hauling. Everything I do, I do. And you see it through, through the book, you know, I mean, even when I get sober, I, you know, it, it's running and then it's speaking. Mm. You know, once somebody asked me to speak and I found out that I had a gift at that and then someone else asked me and then someone else asked me and I mean, I, I, I start speaking like it was a career. Um, so anything that gives me joy, I do a lot. Okay. And, uh, and I show you, I show the reader, I should say, through the book, how I learned to not just calm down with um, my alcoholism addiction, 
but how I let go of unhealthy dependencies. Okay. And, and really started using, I like to call my higher power God. It's what I'm comfortable with. Um, but how I started using God as the real solution to it all. Hmm. Rather than running is going to fix me and speaking is going to fix me and more weight training is going to fix me and sure. food is going to fix me and veganism is going to fix me and da, 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 you know, just, just this obsessive compulsive, let me, let, let me try, let me try, let me try. You know, I, I didn't have peace of mind. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That sounds pretty awesome. So it, it's a memoir. It's all about your story. Yeah. Um, who would you really say the book is for? Like, who should be picking this book up, would you say? You know, from everyone that's read it, mm -hmm. uh, I've gotten some great feedback on how it was written in a way for everybody because I was showing, like, the disease of the mind. And, and okay. I guess the editor was saying like Ferris Bueller, I broke the fourth wall down in my writing because I write the way I speak. So the, the, the reader is with me, is understanding the mind of an alcoholic and an addict, is understanding the thoughts that you have to shut up, is understanding that the guilt that we have, even though we still need it, uh, is understanding that, oh my God, okay, now I have to live a spiritual life. What the hell does that mean? Uh, is with me when I say my first prayer, like, yo, God, you know, it's me and then talking to God, like he's like, oh, of course, you know, it's me. Oh, this is not going well. You know, like I, I bring the reader through the whole thing. But, um, you know, I think people in our community is enough. It's enough. You know, I, of course, I would love for everybody to have it. Sure. Um, you know, that's but, but if you have a family member that is suffering and you don't understand why they can't stop what they're doing mm -hmm. that it's a good thing to pick up if you're one of us you know not everyone stays in the game you know it's a nice permission slip to know you're not alone maybe give it another shot yeah yeah that's all but you know i also don't want to be grandiose that's why i'm saying you know anyone that's been affected in in one way or another by what are by our disease okay. by our infliction whatever you want to call it that's awesome um, but i i do think that a lot of people would get a lot of out of it because i know people that you know, i have a friend really successful guy mm -hmm. he's like adam everyone's addicted to something yeah and when he said that i was like it's a good point yeah for you know? sure absolutely no that is a good point man i'm still that that title is just so clever though like i i hope you're uh you're breaking your buddy off with with something here <laughs> He should, he should get a little something for that. He went out, you know, and if I find oh, him, I'll, uh, oh, I'll, man. You know, yeah. Jeez. And John, that's another thing that the book says, uh, mm. and I'm sure you can testify to this too. Actually, let me ask. Yeah. Rather than me saying sure, it. Sure, sure. How many guys that you went to treatment with are still sober? Mm. Man, I think maybe possibly one. Possibly. Do you know how many are alive? Yeah, I mean, we lost we lost a couple like within the first, you know, the first few years. Yeah, and I've lost, man, I've lost. So I have, so I'm here in Houston and, and there's actually a cemetery here in Houston that's not far from the treatment center that I went to. And I know eight or nine people in that cemetery. You know, I'm not, I'm not an old guy, you know, eight or nine. I mean, and this was like by the time I was 
25, you know, and, and all related to this shit that we're talking about, you know, and, uh, That's my, so you, yeah. you would read the end of the book and not be shocked at all. Mm. Right. Because you and I are kind of the same soul and a different body. So to speak, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On the same journey together. So you'd read it. In, 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 but to a lot of people, when they get to the end and they see that every single person I introduced them to in treatment is dead. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, that took 10 years. So I, I pray that that one guy mm-hmm. uh, stays with us, but like, don't, Jonathan, don't be surprised if yeah. you're, the lone, you're the lone survivor. Just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. Well, so yeah, the, the book sounds incredible, man. And I, I, yeah, I think that's, um, man, that's, that's such a good point. It's something I, you know, what you just brought up, it's something I think about a lot because I mean, it really is. I, I, I definitely, you know, when, when I was in enough pain, like I just decided to give the spiritual aspect of all this a shot. You know, the yeah. pain is a great motivator to just say, okay, I don't know shit. Just tell me what to do. That was, that was for me. I just needed someone to tell me what to do. And it all started to, to click a little bit. But, you know, it, it's hard for me to sit here and think like, wow, I, you know, not everyone gets this, you know, I mean, something there's, there's got to be something out there, you know, I mean, I just, I think that's just the main thought that kept hitting me. Um, but anyway, so I, I do want to ask, you know, you're, you're also a, uh, a life and performance coach. Yeah. And so you have something called the hero project coaching program. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, the first thing I want to say that this is just my pride or ego, if that's okay, you know, is that this is for, um, every, I, I don't, I am not a sober coach. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I say it is because there's something inside of me and it's just me. I don't judge other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean? everyone needs to put food on the table. Sure. And everyone has their own belief system. And I, and I applaud everybody. I kid you not. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. me, um, when it comes to helping somebody w- with our affliction, it has to be altruistic. I, I have get that. To, I have to, I, that's a, that's an Adam Javelin decision. It is not an everybody decision. And I don't think I'm holier than thou for saying that. It's just, that's how I'm wired. Sure. So the Hero Project does take aspects that I've learned in, the, in my recovery, okay. in my spiritual life, in running the multi-million dollar business, in the dedication and discipline to fitness, and helps the person in all areas, um, mind, body, spirit and emotions i actually don't think mindset and emotions are the same thing mm. you know i've been terrified when i've had to do something you know yeah. um, so i actually believe mindset and emotions are are, are that you would think they're the same thing but they're not uh and i i help it, it's a 90-day transformation uh days one through 30 i call the circle it's um it's a lot of accountability and it's a lot of teaching you what you're going to need for the rest of the journey. Mm-hmm. Things like building a meditation streak, five to 15 minutes of journaling, one random act of kindness, going outside every day for five minute walks to open up your five senses. You know, so when you master your five basic senses, you could start tapping into the sixth sense. You know what I mean? Um, high and low every day. My clients 
to let me know what their high of the day is and what their low of the day is every day. Okay. So that way they can't say they had a shitty day, something good happened, and they can't say they, they had the best day. I know something, that, you know, let's find the middle ground. Do that for the first 30 days. The next 30 days, days uh, 30 through 60 is what I call the elevation experience. Okay. Um, which I also made an online course about. This is when after the, you have that initial muscle, right? After you have that. Even like, though that like that flex. Yeah, even though it's an inside job, even though it's an inside yeah. job, now things are going to start to happen in your life that can only be described as spiritual, metaphysical, synchronistic, but they're going to happen and it's going to feel weird. You're going to literally feel like you're elevating. Things are happening. You don't, you don't have to try so hard. You don't have to work so hard. You're like allowing things to come to you. And you're realizing that the old ground and pound way was not necessarily the way to get to where you really want to go. There is some sort of balance to the force, so to speak. And then days 60 through 90, which are my favorite, are what I really call now the whole hero project. It's when I take my client by the hand and we say together, we're going to do like you did it, sober nation, look what you've done. But we take someone by the hand, we say, what do you really want to do now with your life? Do you want to start this business? Do you want to open an LLC? Do you want to write your book? Do you want to start a podcast? You're going to have to have the tough conversations with the people you love that are going to think you're crazy. That's just a fact. Your wife, your husband, your parent, someone's going to be like, you can't do that. And you, it's time to be the hero of your own movie okay. where every single hero looks at the person's like, yeah, I can. And I helped, now they have somebody with them to help guide them and dare I say even a little push. Like, I've done it, you've done it, I'm sure. You're gonna have to have these uncomfortable conversations, but now right. it's your movie. That's awesome. Now, now it's your turn, you know? It's your turn to do this. And it takes, believe it or not, it takes 30 days. So even if they have the conversation and, or the decisions within 10, you need that extra 20 to kind of acclimate Sure. Yeah. Well, in the way I understand what you just described, and I think this is, this is so important is it, well, number one, everything you just talked about, like in those first 30 days, uh, I think it's cool because that's, you know, you did take a lot of what, uh, is might be suggested to someone in recovery, you know, some of the journaling meditation, things like that. I really like just the, the getting active, uh, every day, kind of the high and lows, almost like a, an inventory at the end of the day. Right. And so that way you've just, and that's stuff that can benefit absolutely anyone, whether they're in right. recovery or not. Right. But I think what you've just described to me is, is that you're building this foundation. Um, because I, I think we've all got to have that. We've all got to have this, um, this routine, you know, and, and I've talked about in a few episodes, how I was not a fan of, of discipline or routine or structure. Like I said, I wasn't the guy in the gym before I got sober, you know, like I, like I didn't have any of that. There was nothing really regular in my life, you know? So I think to have all these tools going on before you go out and launch whatever it is you're doing, I think that's so important because I think a lot of the times it's like, okay, I want to do the podcast you, or business or whatever. And you jump out there and it's like, man, I feel like shit, like I'm crazy. I'm all over the place. Like, you know, I'm not 
active at all anymore. I'm on the computer all day. You don't have these things built in, right? So that's, that's a really awesome idea. Now, I know this isn't for people in recovery specifically, but okay, let me ask you this. So outside of, of sponsors and, and stuff like that, have you had a coach yourself, like business coaches or anything like that? Um, it's a great question. So my mentor, who I'll introduce you to, Dion. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't speak highly enough to this guy. I don't want to get emotional on the freaking bucket. But he, um, he really taught me and guided me okay. how to forward in so many things. Now, I ran my family business, so I certainly don't want anyone to think, uh, it's important that I say that. I was sure. like, I was born and raised being like, this is exactly what you're going to do. So okay, it's important yeah. that people know that, uh, and by the way, that actually contributed to some of the thoughts and the drinking. Like, I always knew what I had to do, where I was going to go. It was very, it almost felt like the mafia in a weird way, you know? Like, right. this is who we are, this is what we do. Don't even think about doing something. However, else, yeah. Exact. However, don't feel bad about it. That, you know what I mean? But um, the reason I'm bringing that up is my grandfather and my father were, okay. I mean, crazy mm. with discipline, dedication, and good manners. Mm. Mm. Crazy. Okay. Military-like. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to what I'm doing now, um, yeah, I have a guy named Lo Silva, who I would be happy to introduce you to. Uh, who's a social media genius, and I'm working with a guy named Jalad Hamina, and uh, these guys are teaching me the new way of doing, like you know, this Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Yeah. Sure. Um, this is new to me. You know, I had an yeah. Instagram yeah. account for a long time, but if you if you see it before I started the coaching, it was very like social. It was like, hey, this is me. This is my family skiing. This is my kid. And then when it was taught to me. And I mean, I kid you not, I had to be taught this. This is a business tool. Yeah. Stop posting nonsense. It's your brand. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but I usually should. No, no more your family. No more. Like this is. And I had to massage that muscle. Mm. And like you, uh, I'm a kind of guy where it's like, if, if I hire somebody, I listen. I'm not going to go. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to hire somebody and then be like, well, I still want to do my own thing. Like that's sure. an idiot. Okay. So you help me. Sure. I'm all help you do this. Nah, I think I'll do it. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. Well, no. So, and, and so that makes, that makes perfect sense to me. And so, you know, again, for, for anyone listening to this or watching this, Adam is a guy that has built some very successful businesses has been very successful and he has coaches. So the, the reason, yeah. and, and I, and I have had coaches. So what I was going to ask is, is, why do you think someone in recovery, because I think a lot of people in recovery might be kind of reluctant. They might say, you know, if they are in a 12 step program, like, Oh, I have a, I have a sponsor. And I think, I think a lot of the times like people are just reluctant to get a coach in general, maybe. So why do you think it might be helpful for someone in recovery to have a, a coach, whether it's like a, a life coach or for, sure. their, for business or, or whatever it is, what, what benefit, would you kind of like say like, Hey, maybe you should, should think about this. This is where this can help. Easy, 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 easy. So this is the way I was raised in recovery. I can't, again, you have, you're asking me the question. So I have to give the answer. Sure. Yeah. My sponsor mentor, right? They, they, this is for the spiritual solution. Okay. I do not go to them for accounting. 
I go to an accountant mm. for that. I do not go there for the legal advice. I go to an attorney for that. Mm. I don't ask them to build my house, right? I don't ask them to, to deliver my mail. Right. I don't like everybody <laughs> has a designated, you know what I mean? So sure. that is for a to, for spiritual principles to stay sober. That person is not everything in it, anything and everything. Mm. You know, and sense. I believe if you have the right person, they will show you continually that no human power is going to help you. They're going to push you into the spiritual realm a lot, which is what Dion did for me. So where, why would you get a coach? Because you don't, you, that person is, is not equipped mm. to many, excuse me, I'm, I apologize. Many of those people that are helping you get sober are not, they haven't had successes in other areas that you want to grow. It's kind of like when the guy is getting sober and he's married two kids and he asks somebody that's younger than him to be his sponsor or mentor and the guy has no idea what the hell he's going home to mm. the guy i can't understand this guy's going to play sega or playstation or xbox and then maybe even make another meeting at night this guy's got responsibilities sure. it, it's it's i know that's a little too much but like yeah it's a, yeah that, it's like if you want to get from a to z Look, I have a dear friend in recovery that's a Navy SEAL. A Navy SEAL. I love this guy. You think his sponsor taught him how to do that? Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, you know, if you want to grow um, in other, area, other areas of your life, I think the coach is a great thing. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I'd agree with you. And I think one of the coolest things that I've ever heard, like when someone is, you know, if someone's looking for a coach, it's look for what, for someone that has what you want in abundance. I was like, man, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, that makes great, great sense to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So before we wrap up, Adam, I'm going to put you on the spot here, man. And, you, and you've already given us some, some good, good advice today. But I want to ask if maybe there's one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation. Whatever you do, go all in. Don't half ass it. Don't half ass it. You will get back exactly what you put in. And if it's, we're talking about recovery, you will get back way more than you put in. My advice would be, please jump in with both feet. There's a, there's a line that I'm sure you know, half measures availed us nothing. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, that's, a, that's, a, that's the same way of saying, for the love of God, go all in. If you're gonna do something, do it, do it. Yeah. Man, that's that's awesome advice. I really love that. Can't can't go wrong there. So you can find Adam's book, Lots of Holic, on Amazon. And you can also connect with him on Instagram at Adam Javelin. Thanks for coming on the show, Adam. Thanks for having me, Jonathan.
Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.